thank you. Thanks for having me, and warm welcome to everyone. And thank you for joining this event, which I think comes at a critical time, both for the agriculture and food security, nutrition community, but also for the climate change conversation. And I think from the, for the food security community, the latest state of food insecurity report, which came out this summer, was a real wake-up call with the finding that the number of undernourished people in the world continues to rise for a fourth straight year. Um, and now we're actually back to the levels of hunger that we last saw in 2010, with conflict and climate change being really two key drivers of this. Meanwhile, we also know that demand for food is likely to increase by about 50% by 2060, with most of that increase happening in South Asia and Africa, while at the same time, climate change could decrease yields that farmers see by up to 30% by 2050. So it's against this rather sobering backdrop that on Monday in New York, the UN Secretary General will host the Climate Action Summit, um, which really kicks off the drive towards COP25 later this year in Chile and then COP26 next year in the UK. And I think today we have an exciting opportunity to actually discuss the recently released report on, by the Global Commission on Adaptation, which which Rajul mentioned, and to delve deeper into a critical and what I think is often underlooked aspect of the climate discussion, how to support the more than 500 million smallholder farm households across the globe as they already experience the impacts of climate change. And just as we kick off, I want to offer special thanks to the IFPRI team um, and Channing in particular for organizing this, inviting me, and focusing us all on such a critical uh, topic at this critical moment. So before we delve in, I'll just start with a brief reminder of the current climate context. The 2018 IPCC report established that human activities are estimated to have caused about one degrees Celsius of global warming above historic levels, and continued warming means that we are likely to reach 1.5 degrees Celsius between 2030 and 2052. There's also increasing recognition that poor people, especially smallholder farmers, are among the most vulnerable to climate change because of their high levels of exposure to the implications of climate change, like droughts, floods, and temperature increase, and their limited ability to adapt. To adapt. So the focus of today's discussion is on an important new initiative, the Global Commission on Adaptation. The flagship report of the GCA was released last week, and it's been getting a lot of attention in the media. Bill Gates, our, our co-chair at the foundation, co-chairs the GCA, along with Kristalina Georgieva and Ban Ki-moon. And I should really note the, the leadership that Ban Ki-moon, as the former Secretary General, has played on this. He's been the vision and driving this effort, and we're really grateful for him inviting us to be part of it. The, the GCA is convened by more than 20 uh, countries and more than two dozen eminent commissioners from across the globe, so it's really a global effort. And to put it really simply, the aim of the commission is to put adaptation on the map and on the global agenda. We all know that mitigation is the top priority, but the effects of climate change are already being felt, and we need to complement a strong focus there with greater political attention and financial resources to adaptation as well. Our co-chair, Bill Gates, has been very involved in his personal capacity for some time in supporting innovation in energy. But about two years ago, Bill came to us and challenged the Foundation's agriculture team to do a better job of raising the profile of a group of people who are most directly impacted by climate change, smallholder farmers, in the climate change conversation globally. Why? In short, because smallholders in Africa and South Asia didn't do anything to cause climate change, but they are really at the front lines of its worst impacts, and they're already feeling those impacts. 
this led to our foundation's first commitment to investment in our agriculture in a way that specifically focuses on climate adaptation at the One Planet Summit in Paris in December 2017. <coughs> but another thing that's also clear when you look at climate change is that it is increasingly one of the key drivers of inequality in the world. If you look at a map of where the greatest inequality is in health and development outcomes, and you overlay where climate change is likely to have the greatest impacts, it's the same places. It's really striking, actually. Um, each year, our foundation produces a report on the progress towards the SDGs called the Goalkeepers Data Report. And this year, the theme of the report, which came out last week, is inequality. There's actually a section on how climate change is making inequality even worse in a set of countries in Sub-Saharan Africa and South Asia. And the report tells the story of Mitsilal Tekele Tesfai, an Ethiopian farmer who shared her recent experience with us. For Mitsilal, the rains came very late this year, and she doesn't know if they will have a harvest this year. She has had support and advice from extension agents on how to cope, but she still doesn't know, even at this stage, if she can pay school fees for her kids next year. It all depends on the harvest and the rain. This is really the essence of the climate change challenge for smallholder farmers. For people who are already teetering on the edge, it increases the volatility and the unpredictability of their lives. But the report also tells a hopeful story about what governments can and are doing to tackle this problem, using Ethiopia as a case in point. Now, when one thinks about famine, and if you think about the world's most challenging famines, you often think about Ethiopia in 1984. <laughs> but since then, Ethiopia has actually invested significantly in agricultural R&D, in extension, in social protection. And so when drought came to Ethiopia a few years ago, the result was much less dramatic because their resilience had been built up. And I think Ethiopia is an exemplar of how when there is strong leadership from government, when farmers are engaged, the worst effects can, of climate change can actually be mitigated. So just to summarize, there's a huge agenda ahead of us on food security and climate change. Um, next week, there are, there, are, there are two key events worth noting, which you'll hear about from others. But on Monday, the UN Secretary General's Climate Action Summit. And then on Tuesday, a Global Commission on Adaptation event where the, the commission will actually transition from the first phase of work, which was about generating the evidence and writing a report, to the critical second phase of the commission's life for the next year, which is the action phase. So a set of new action tracks will be launched um, at that event in New York on Tuesday. And you know we can all be skeptical here because there are a lot of these events tend towards speech making and long talks and discussion of the problem. I do think um, next Monday, though, you'll see, at least from the GCA, a, a bit of a shift towards a more um, action-oriented approach. There will be announcements of commitments, uh, the first set of commitments of uh, these action tracks from our foundation, as well as several other governments, um, to support these action tracks, including new pledges on food security, agricultural research and development, and support to the CGIR system. So this is just also the beginning. Um, this year of action ahead leads again to the critical COP26 in Glasgow uh, next fall. Along the way, in the food security community, we have the German government, which is committed to host a moment in June to look at SDG2, a Dutch-led initiative in October on adaptation. So there'll be moments where we can continue to surface more commitments um, towards this critical problem. So just to conclude, I think this seminar is a critical contribution and a critical start as we move into the year of action. 
um, the GCA report and the chapter on food and agriculture in particular advance the idea that what we need to do to advance adaptation is to do A, more of the sort of agricultural development that is already underway, B, to do this better, and C, to tackle new challenges and do it differently through innovation. So you're going to hear that theme come up from the panelists throughout the day. And today, I think the IFPRI researchers here will advance paths towards meeting the adaptation challenge in food and agriculture um, in developing countries by doing more, better, and new. And I'm really looking forward to hearing these ideas and to the discussions that will follow. Thank you.